welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast number 14. With me tonight, the usual suspects, Ian. Hey, everybody. And Mac. Hey. How are you guys doing tonight? Well, I want to know what I'm. I want to know what I'm usually suspected of. There's a list. It's on the internet. Google it. <laughs> that ended that, huh? It did. <laughs> and now he will Google it. Yeah. See what he finds. Yeah. What, what information do you have out there about him? I hate. I know it's all true because I wrote it on the internet. <laughs> uh, so how are we, are we doing this evening? We're doing pretty well. We got it. We have a couple of fun things that you got that we've all been up to. Um, we have. Yeah. It's so. been interesting week, definitely. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, Ian, why don't you uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us about the uh, uh, forty eight hour film festival or film okay. project? Hey, well, this is what I did last weekend. Um, I was drafted fairly last moment by an old friend of the family who um, knew I was a writer, and um, he was really into it and wanted another writer to help him kind of polish up the script. And so he, you know, said, hey, this is what we're doing. You're interested, you know, with my background. It's like, hell yeah. <laughs> but so last weekend, um, Friday at 7 p.m., we were given our um, a character, a line of dialogue, a prop we had to use, and the genre in which our film had to be set. And we were then given 48 hours to write, direct, edit, put the music in, everything for a four to seven minute film. What was your prop? Uh, the prop was a lamp. Was everybody's prop the same? It was lamp. Yes. Um, then the first. The, the character. Yeah, the character, the line, the prop is all the same for everyone. Um, it is the um, genre? genre that changes. Okay, so and are you assigned a genre? Yes. Okay. Um, well, originally we picked musical. Um, if you don't like the first one you get, you can then go for the wild card. Okay. So originally we got musical, and we had pre-decided that music probably wasn't what we wanted to do. Not exactly and, your forte. Yeah, and so then we drew. Um, Action serial. Okay. And you know, right away, you know, you think an Indiana Jones, and then we add that as the character being uh, administrative assistant Stern Woods. It's like, okay, we know exactly what we're doing. And I, um, so basically, I came up with the general idea, and we all kind of just put our input into the various parts to it. And I was up till three in the morning Saturday, uh, working on the writing on it. Then we shot it all day Saturday. Um, uh, up in Golden, and then it was edited. Actually, starting mid Saturday, our the guy who was doing the editing was there. He took the um the first batch we had filmed with him, and as far as I can figure, he stayed up all night long and was working on it Sunday. So we had a rough cut Sunday afternoon, and by Sunday at 7:30, they had to turn in a finished product, and we did. Great. And so that is Jack Staples, The Quest for the Golden Floppy, Episode 4, The Cubicles of Doom. And last night we did the screening over at the Gothic Theater, and that went really well. That was a blast. We got to see, you know, real audience um, enthusiasm. It was great. So we'll see if this goes anywhere, if it wins any awards. We'll find out next week about the awards and if we go on to the next level. So there's what? There's the audience awards, and then there's another set of awards. Um, there's one audience award per session. Basically, there was about 36 groups, and they were divided into three sessions. Okay. And um, each session, the audience gets to vote on their favorite. Then there's your basic um, city awards, city level awards of best director, best editing, best writing, stuff like that. Okay. 
And then um, the best of the group, wherever the judges have been the best, get to move on to the next level. And then I think there's a level after that before you get to the international. But okay. this is an international contest, 80 cities around the world. Outstanding. And the best of the best will get screened at Cannes. So. Okay. So you were shooting all day Saturday. Yeah. Well, Brian and I were shooting for a good portion of the day on Sunday, but mainly with arrows at targets. So yes, yep. I took Brian out and tried to get his feet wet in archery, and uh, I didn't manage to get his feet wet because he kept jumping over the stream. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many times did we actually have to cross that brook? Uh, quite a few, quite a few. And one bridge. And one, one, the one once there was a bridge. Hollow, one, one old tree trunk across it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a good time. Brian left with four hours, came back with two. Yep. I left with 24, came back with 23, and a good sunburn. <laughs> Brian managed to scientifically explain the importance of sunscreen to me. Yes. I wore sunscreen. <laughs> I wore a floppy hat, which actually did not cover the part of my chest that was exposed by the collar of my shirt. Telling you, if you'd wanted that to work as sunscreen, it would have had to have been a sombrero, a big one. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I understand now. Yeah. Well, and I partook yesterday in a uh, um, a physics experiment. Basically, what you do is you take these things called pins, and you um, and you have a surface that's about sixty feet long, and you put ten of them down at the end, and then um, you take a ball and uh, you um, you drill three holes in it, and you're supposed to throw this thing down this surface and into the pins and knock them all down. So it's physics, all physics. Yep. And uh, I did pretty good. I, I came in second place. It's yeah. applied physics. Applied physics, absolutely. Yeah, so I was participating in the amateur bowling tours, which, yeah, ABT bowling. And uh, it, so they put down a pro shot, and uh, we were bowling on the Viper shot, and I was able to, uh, I, I did pretty well on that. Uh, on that. I, I went all the way to the end and uh, went for the title. But uh, the, the guy I was bowling again, awesome. But he only beat me by 20 pins. It's good. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. So I, I kept him on nice his toes. You have achieved honor for your house, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so, yep, yeah, so that's what we've been up you to. You need not commit seppuku at this time. Very good, very good. All right. All right, shall we move on to uh, some iTunes feedback? Sure. So we have an iTunes feedback from, um, anybody want to pronounce that? I'm going with Zomnificent. Zomnificent? Yep. All right. And uh, he, uh, he, he did not take issue with our sound quality. He, he, he says that he's willing to whis- listen to much worse, and so that wasn't an issue for him. He did, um, on the other hand, take some issues with um, uh, our logical fallacy segment, in which um, w- we did make a mistake that um, he called that he called us on. I mean, so I mean, we, and we ver- we very much entertain the idea if you catch us ma- making mistakes, call us on it. You know, send yep. us an email, go to Facebook, put it down, make sure we know about it because we want to know when we're right and when we're wrong. That's part of the idea behind this podcast. Right. And one of our one of our and one of our points here is to enjoy the uh, the discovering of logical fallacies and and finding out where they show up in articles and in everyday life. So in order to do that, we need to educate ourselves about them. And any any time you catch us on something wrong, let us know. So so specifically, um, well, I mean, he we and he points out two instances here: one that we got right and one that we got wrong. And uh, let's see, he says we made a mistake. The one we made the mistake on was argument from ignorance. Right. And I had actually thought that that contained a component of 
I, I know there's one out there, and I don't remember what the fallacy is right now, obviously. But there is a fallacy where the person says, well, I, I don't know all about this, but I know enough about it to know that it's wrong. And I had thought that argument of ignorance was part of that as well. But what argument from ignorance is actually is we don't know that this is – we don't know what the answer is, so therefore the answer must be this instead. Okay, essentially. So, and he, so, and he puts a, you know, he has a specific argument from ignorance that he points out as an example. So, so anyway, so yeah, so um, we we uh, uh, we he helped us out there. One of the things that he says is that you know that we really need to uh, do more study on logical fallacies and logical arguments, which is exactly why we're doing this podcast. We don't claim to be, you know, to be any sort of expert on. It. So when we do make a mistake, these kinds of corrections really help us. So we really appreciate it. All right. Anything else to say on that? Not really. No. Okay. So let's find out um, a little bit more about uh, Meat Tenderizer. Okay. Well, I mentioned last week that Meat Tenderizer was good on bites of different sizes. I don't think you said, you said papaya specifically, not well, Meat Tenderizer. Well, Meat Tenderizer is usually made with papaya ends. Right, which has a, yeah. Okay. Um, and I had said that it was usable on insect bites, such as bee stings and mosquito bites. And I was right on that, but scientifically I was wrong about the why. Okay. I had thought that the enzyme actually broke down the venom or broke down the proteins that the mosquito injects you with that uh, make you not coagulate. They, they makes the blood not coagulate, so the mosquito gets a full meal, essentially. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, gets the opportunity to breed her, breed her young, which is what they need human blood for. But... What the, what the science actually is on it is not that it breaks down the compound in your blood, but what it actually does is it helps restrict the histamine response in that area. And what happens to cause you to swell up from mosquito bite is actually, is actually the allergic response to it, the histamine response. So what the, what the enzyme does, the papaya enzyme, or in the cases where it's pineapple enzyme, bromelain, which is what I've got in my meat tenderizer, what it does is it essentially just stops that histamine response from that area. Okay. And allows the allows it to just kind of break down naturally. But the article you put in here doesn't say anything about blocking histamine. It doesn't say anything about being a you know an antihistamine. It says it's an anti-inflammatory. That it's that it's well, that it's, it's an anti-inflammatory which blocks the histamine response. It well, does say that on the article. Where does it say that? Because that's not, I don't remember the reading for that. They everywhere in here it talks about anti-inflammatory, not antihistamine. Now I'm pulling it up right now. Okay. So. Because those are two d- very different responses. And what's interesting yes. about this, though, is that, you know, we, we, we have all these, you know, anti-inflammatories now, ibuprofen and these. And we're finding that th- that the inflammation for injuries a lot of time, you know, to a certain extent, the inflammation is actually good for healing. I mean, there's definitely a reason that the um, that we have this inflammation response. Um, certainly for, you know, insect bites, it's not exactly uh yeah, because when I get bit by a mosquito, I, I'm bit for like two weeks. That swelling doesn't go down for about two weeks. I have a particularly strong response to it. Yeah, so it's it's so it's swelling. So the, it's a nuisance. It seems like and it makes be, me it makes me rip my skin off. <laughs> but it seems like there'd be two two ways to do this: an antihistamine or an anti-inflammatory. This is specifically talking about anti-inflammatory. I don't see antihistamine anywhere in here. I was sure it said that it helped block the histamine response. I, I'm saying that they, that they're talking about these two chemicals being being excellent anti-inflammatories, so much so that 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 they rival um, um, ibuprofen. Okay. Well, I, I apparently I was wrong on that, and um, 
Might have been under the effects of bromelain. Mm. It also talked about how um, one thing it does is actually breaks up the dead cells. Yeah, yeah, wounds breedment as well. Right. Ian, do and you remember only... anything in here about antihistamine? No, I don't. Okay, so okay. I, I don't either. So I so but it, it so these these two chemicals the what papain and bromelain papain and bromelain bromelain are anti-inflammatories. And apparently, very good ones. You know, they talked about other things that that, that these are, that these are used for. And you know, I have, it cites a, a good source from the University of Maryland, but I you know, about bromelain, which I did not I did not go read that. So if it says anything about antihistamine in here, I would not know. Well, for here from here on out, the doctor will tell you to take two pineapples and call them in the morning. Ooh, sounds painful. Where do you got to put the pineapples? Well, how? <laughs> Did, did I mention that it, Brian? It's pronounced analgesic, as it turns out. Uh, did, did I mention that 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 um that the iTunes response said that he likes the vulgar humor? So we're good. Yep. Okay. Let's move on. Uh, okay. Food is safe it's beyond its expert. Now this is something that I, I've always done. So go ahead, tell us about it. Well, the basic article talks about um, and I'm sure everyone's pantries have food that is beyond their expiration date. But it goes into um talking about, you know, are, are these dates really that accurate? And in, in the end, it says, you know, trust your instincts. The only things that you really need to worry about with the expiration dates are dairy products um, and meat, basically. See, and I even, you know, I'll even gauge dairy product th this way, and particularly, and, and it all has to do with the source. You know, right. whether it's a soft cheese or a hard cheese, let's say. If it's a hard cheese, just take the mold off. If it's a softer, the, depending on, you know, how hard the cheese is, like, you know, even with, you know, cheddar, I'll, I'll just take the mold off. But with a real soft yeah. cheese, like a blue cheese or something like that, you know, I, 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 I might be a little, you know, it's harder to tell. It's going to penetrate a lot deeper. Yeah. So, and you won't know yeah. where it penetrated. Yeah, so so, so I'm more lean. Whereas on hard cheese, it's only on the surface. Exactly. Yeah, I've done that as well. You know, if your cheddar gets moldy, you just cut off the stuff, on, and you know the inside will be fresh. Right. And if it's Parmesan, and, you know, no problem. Now, at one point I'd like to make about food expiration dates: those expiration dates are for the store shelf, not necessarily yeah, also, for in your house. Yeah. There are no actual guidelines. Each company sets their own guidelines on um, what dates they put on. There's no national guidelines or anything saying, oh, well, this food lasts this long and so on. It's completely and totally up to the companies themselves to determine when the, the best if dates are going to be put on. I know we've talked about before the fact that the, the shelf date on Velveeta is... You know, entirely fictional. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we did say that. Yeah. Twinkies as well. Oh, yeah, no, I, I work as a merchandiser, so I go in the stores and I'm supposed to pay attention to the dates on my products. And it's funny the way some people react to them. I was in one store and it was right before Thanksgiving, I think, and this woman comes up to me because I'm often mistaken for an employer of the stores, and she hands me a thing of instant um, stuffing. That was one day out of date. It's like, oh, here, I found this. You guys need to take care of it. I'm looking like, okay. You're it's like, not my department, yeah. actually. Yeah. Look but at the But also, like I said, one day out of date. And you know, she's acting like it's this horrible thing. You have to get off the shelf now because, you know, ooh. Because it'll, you corrupt, it'll corrupt the other boxes. Exactly. Just yeah. <laughs> osmosis, right? <laughs> and yep. They do react that way. I've seen people get really worried about expiration dates. And it's like, you know, I, I have no idea how much food's up in my um, kitchen right now that is past its expiration crackers and stuff you know generally they can last quite a while but you know they're salted down and everything mm -hmm. you know, yeah. but there's so, one place where expiration dates are extremely important and that's right. on beer because there's nothing like getting a skunky beer 
Uh, the simple fact, though, is that we've got some foods out there that don't have a shelf life that just has a half life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, like I say, in the article itself, it talks about the main things to worry about are dairy and meat. Those are things that, yeah, if you, you know, they, they go bad faster. And But meat, if you freeze it, guess what? The expiration date, you can have a couple more. Months. So, you know, with all that stuff, that's the other thing. It's how you keep it. You can't, food can last better beyond its expiration date if it's in colder um, storage. Yeah. So, it's just one of those things that I've always been aware of, and finding articles like this is always nice because it's something so many people really have issue with and really go get weird. One of the comments down here is great. It's is basically said if it doesn't stink, eat it. In the seventies, the marine <laughs> corps still feeding Amer- us sea rats left over from World War II. In the eighties, the farmer left let, fed us the army let a, fed us tea rats left over from the Vietnam War. They were for the most part desserts. After a week in the field, they were not only good, they were delicious. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. All right. So um, they're they're a guideline, not a rule, and use use your best judgment here. Right. And you're, and you're oh, probably yeah. going to live okay. And even if it does become nuclear, you know, um, reactive, <laughs> it's probably just giving off alpha particles, and it's really not an issue. <laughs> you know, I had a I picked up at the uh, at a Seven Eleven. One day I picked up this thing called a chocodile, and I remember having these back when I was a teenager, and this was delicious. It's a chocolate-covered Twinkie. Right. And so I was looking forward to this, this, this treat, and my wife is asking me, well, how was it? And I'm thinking, you know, I had these back when I was a teenager, and I think this may have actually been made back then. <laughs> it was stale. It was so stale. You ate it anyway, didn't you? Yeah, but I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, can animals think like humans? Now, this one was a video. And, this was you know, really cool. After, after watching the video, I was kind of impressed. I talked last week about uh, corvids and about parrots, and this was about a bonobo chimp. And what they've given him is they've given, well, not just one, a, a group of bonobo chimps at the Great Apes um, Great Apes Project, I think it was, but they were they gave them boards with icons on them. And what they were talking about in the case of things that they didn't have words for, they would find icons that would mean what they thought it was. Like they didn't have an icon for kale, but the bonobo in question referred to the referred to the kale as slow lettuce because it's slower to chew than regular lettuce. Okay. Um, the other thing that was kind of cool was. They had given this reporter. They said, "You get to play with the ball with him." And well, that's so they, he wanted to asked, play with the ball. Hmm? He, he requested the, the the bonobo had requested the ball. Right. And they asked the bonobo, "Are you ready for the ball?" And he put on the icon "Past Ready." <laughs> yes. So not only did he know what was going on, he'd also gotten impatient about it. But I was thinking about this, and it's interesting. These these abilities, these these thinking abilities are being found in animals that we don't think are necessarily all that intelligent. And then we expose them to kind of an, an intellectually enriching atmosphere, and they're just astounding us. You know, we never thought well, that apes weren't intelligent. I mean, that, that was never in question. Right, but maybe not. We didn't think necessarily they were as intelligent as we're finding out. Well, yeah, I think we're finding out a lot about, about apes and about birds. And other, you know, more and more we're understanding intelligence in a whole new perspective. Sure. You know, at one point we thought, you know, you can, there were basically two areas, man and animal, for intelligence. And now we're learning that there's, it doesn't work that way. You know, we, 
<clears throat> it's no. quite likely there are more intelligent animals out there than us. It's just their intelligence went a completely different path. Right. Ours. And what we have, what we expose our children to, is we expose our children to an intellectually enriching atmosphere. We give them all kinds of experiences, or we should be giving them all kinds of experiences, to make sure that they learn from these experiences, that they they see and become curious about more things that are out there. You know, if you're a bonobo chimp in the jungle you're not necessarily going to know anything besides the jungle. Whereas if you're in this environment where they're giving you this icon board, you can dazzle them. Well, and they, but once again, it's the environment. They, they talk to them just like we would talk to a child. You know, we would tell them about the airplane, even though they can't understand it right now, we would tell them about that. And we would, and you know, they're, they're in a language rich environment. So they've put these bonobos into language rich environments. I, I did take a couple exceptions with with the reporter um, saying like, you know, for like they, they saying, well, you know, this, you know, for compared to most apes, this ape is, is a, is a genius. And it's like, well, no, all these, we're finding all these, you know, apes to be intelligent it's just like you say it's just situational but she uh-huh. still didn't quite seem to get that it wasn't just these apes it's apes it's in general all of them. yeah and it's, she... it's 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 the same thing with alex we were talking about last week this is an off-the-shelf african gray right this is not an exceptional bird this is a bird that they walked into a pet store and said oh that one's cute yeah. let's do some experiments right and i kind of felt but let that me she missed let me it. step it up from language rich environment I, i'm still going to say intellectually enriching environment because not merely language but concepts that they're not going to see in their native environment well sure yeah yeah but the one thing about that uh, you know about the bonobos is that they have a lot of sex which to me suggests that their <laughs> brains are probably bigger because of this yep and uh, what a segue. Next, yeah wasn't that a good segue? Ian's next article does seem <laughs> to support this <laughs> The whole point of this next article is to help guys get more. <laughs> That's the only reason I put it up there. It's like, <laughs> guys, use it. <laughs> well, it's you need good if- action from women? You have um, justification now. It's good if you're yeah. a rat. That's all this really says in the end. Well, so yeah, but still, it, it doesn't matter. If, if you're a guy and you know what you're doing, you can use this for justification. Say, hey, woman, I need to be smarter. <laughs> we need some fun. Lay down, woman. I need some intelligence. but basically what it was was a a study being done on um using rats and the sexually active rat showed more brain growth and of of course any study like this you know it's like ooh, interesting you know can we replicate it in human so you know it's one of those yeah i'm a bit of a pervert so anything sexual kind (laughs) of draws my attention and any excuse to get more action in the bedroom definitely is Worth it, but um, I'm sorry, but do you need more excuses to get more in the bedroom? I mean, is this really is this really persuasive to your wife? Do you really show her these articles and say, "Listen, you got to help me out here"? No, but it's always good to have (laughs) excuses ready in case you need them. Oh, you say no, I have a headache. Like, well, honey, you know, this is what sex can do for you. (laughs) You know, can we duplicate these in humans? I don't know, but are we willing to sacrifice ourselves for science? (laughs) You bet. You bet. <laughs> well, that depends. Which sacrifice am I going for? You know, am, I, am I the control group that doesn't get any for a month, uh, or am I the um, other group that gets to be active for the month, I think, overly active? I think you'll be sacrificing sleep, and you got to be careful mm-hmm. because you do not want to get less than five hours a day. Wow, we're doing some good segues here tonight. <laughs> we are. We're awesome. You know, when we're patting ourselves on the back for them, it, it, it's not quite as impressive, guys. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not saying, yeah, I mean, go, go ahead and do it. I'm just saying. Yeah. 
So the segue Brian's trying to make is into an article about um, how much sleep is actually needed. In the studies, basically what they found is right at seven hours is where you should be. Any more, any less. And this is including naps. If, you're, if you like sleep seven hours and take an hour nap, hour or two nap a day, apparently you're more likely to... Um, ah, it's not... Well, cardiovascular right. disease. Yeah, cardiovascular. Yeah. You're more likely cardiovascular disease. Uh, which, you know, it's quite interesting because for the longest time, the, the, they haven't had quite as defined a number. You know, I've always heard six to eight hours you know, to go for. Right. And but they they're saying know, se- straight need, out seven hours. Yeah. I need about I need about eight hours of sleep a night. And about I, I, about eight hours of sleep a day and about another ten at night myself. I, yeah, I knew you were going <laughs> well, to well, well, do that joke I, because I was thinking I was going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, of course, um, the only question that pops in my head about this is um, within the study, what kind of sleep are they referring to? Because you know, I, I can lie in bed for seven hours a night and only get about four or five hours sleep. Yeah, I don't know. That's that, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, because no. it, it isn't just REM sleep because you don't get seven hours of REM sleep at night, and right. certainly you're not getting that kind of sleep when you when you take a nap. The one thing I do know about naps is that that's how babies are made. <laughs> okay. What? I guess we'll get back to that. But no, that's one thing I'd like to have seen in the study is more detail on the level of sleep they're really looking at. Because um, I, I'm horrible about waking up all night long. There's no way I'm getting seven hours of actual sleep a night. I can be in bed for you know seven or eight hours, but I'm not getting that much sleep. I'm pretty sure of that You know, on a normal night. I think it was on NPR not too long ago that they were talking about sleep cycles and they they were actually talking about you know different types of sleep and they were saying like if you're going to take a nap it should be no more than 20 minutes because after that you fall into another type of sleep and you know how when you when you know once you hit that point and somebody wakes you up and you're not ready to that's when you feel more tired Yes. Right. And so, oh, yeah. and they're saying so. So, if you cut it off at 20 minutes, you'll feel refreshed, but you haven't, but you haven't moved into this next piece. So, a nap should only be 20 minutes. That's what they were saying. And they were talking mm. about how you know, so about these different sleep cycles. And I, I think it's pretty normal for people to, you know, to wake up and go back to wake up and go back to sleep. Like what you're talking about. That, that I think that's the norm. I don't think that's really that unusual. I think it's more unusual for somebody to hit the pillow and wake up in the morning. It just doesn't happen. Hmm. And, and so we, we should we should look at more information on sleep because I, I suspect that what you're talking about is more the norm than you realize. We we have this idea that we're supposed to go to that we're supposed to get in our beds and go to sleep and, and not wake up until morning. But I think that's I think that's false. So we need to look into this. I think that's very more. rare. I think um I think undisturbed sleep at this point is actually kind of it's kind of unusual. So no, it was never the norm because we because you because you didn't want to sleep like that because that's when you get snuck up on you know when you're out sleeping that's when that's when you know the the animals are out or night are gonna get you so you probably want to wake up <laughs> occasionally to to see if there's mm-hmm. anything around you. I gotta find that article because it because it was really interesting talking about why we sleep the way that we. We, we should yeah, we should look into this more because it's a, it's really right. interesting what they're finding out about sleep right now. This is only the, I've been hearing a bunch of little things in there about so it's pretty interesting. Okay, we'll have to um, find some stuff for next podcast. Yeah, so, see what's out um, there. I, I don't have a segue for. Nah, I'm no. not quite sure how you segue from sleep to dinosaurs. No, no well, be tough. dinosaurs presumably slept. Oh, there we go. There's so, and and apparently the torosaur will sleep eternally because now they're all triceratops. Nope, triceratops are all tri- tar- are all torosaurs now. No, 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 no. They're dropping torosaurus and they're keeping triceratops. And this is one of the that, arguments. 
Actually, it kind of makes sense because Triceratops is better known of the two. Okay, right. I, I, I misread that sentence. I'm just I'm just dropping the ball all over the place tonight. <laughs> yeah. So what the, what they what they've discovered here? See what happens when we don't do this on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> is that um, the Triceratops is actually a juvenile Torosaur, Torosaurus. Right. And and the way that they the so when the, these were both discovered by the by the same person and of course when when he found them they they look pretty distinct but what they found is they found you know as they look you know slightly older triceratops and older and older and older that they start to see the slit that represents the the torosaur torosaurus and so that and so that's how they made this connection by looking at the looking at the fossil record. What well, also they'd never found a juvenile Taurosaurus. Right. That was the other thing that was always that they always found odd is that 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 they yeah that there were that they were always adults. And my understanding is that this is not the only one that we're finding that this is actually more common. I heard somewhere that a third of the dinosaur species that we think that we have are are probably you know um, just you know juveniles and older versions of the same dinosaur. So this is only one of many that I think that we're going to start seeing this way. No, that's not surprising paleontology would be a hard thing to really classify because you don't don't what so you know you're taking guesses every time you find something new i'm sorry you cut out there start start that sentence okay. over please all right basically paleontology is going to be a hard thing um to do really in that, because you don't have the living creatures to study instead what you have is every time you find a new fossil you have to you start making oh hey this is what i think it is and without having being able to actually watch the life cycles and stuff right. you don't know everything sure well and the other except in a, so, except in a michael Crichton novel <laughs> right <laughs> but the other thing that's interesting about this is that this is not really the norm for species to make these kinds of transformation um you know in current species now with dinosaurs this may have been the norm for for them to really have change and evolve this much over the period of their life. Uh, one of the things I, I noticed here is that they were talking about the Triceratops's frill on the back of the neck. Um, the frill is saw-edged and thick. Thor, uh, the Torosaurus had three horns at different angles and a longer, thinner, smooth-edged frill with two holes in it. What they found is that the older specimens of the Triceratops had thinning spots where those two holes would be. Right. So yeah. it looks like that would be that would be Mill pattern baldness? <laughs> yeah, kind of, huh? <laughs> the dinosaur termites. Yeah. Um, termites. Right. But you know, now to me that this is this is really interesting, but this is a beautiful example of how science is self-correcting. Right. That when we make a mistake, like we have two we have the Triceratops and the Torosaurus, that as we get more and more information that we're able to link these two, and 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 we and we correct the mistake that we made. So now we have one species, and we and we have just you know the the adult and the juvenile. And so that to me that this was an excellent example of how science is supposed to work. You know how it's how it's supposed to correct itself as we get better information. I'm kind of ridiculously pleased that I was wrong about them. Wrong about. I thought they were going to abolish the Triceratops as a species and call them all Taurosaurus, and instead it's the other way around that right. they're going to abolish the Taurosaurus. There's kind of I'm, a... It's marketing. Well, yeah, yeah I, I was going to say, I'd, I'd have a really hard time accepting a Taurosaurus when Triceratops is what I grew up with. Right, so. and you're not the only one, but there is kind of a debate going on about this. I don't. Not everybody is happy with the with with the way that they've chosen to do the naming. I, I think that I, I read some articles that you know that people really um, they would prefer that they went with Taurosaurus over, tri over um, Triceratops. But I, I feel but like that, you do. 
Triceratops yeah, means three-horned face. That's a pretty good description. Right. Yeah. And but like I said, from a marketing point of view, everyone knows Triceratops. It's common. All the kids know it. It's out there. So that's, you know, it, there, there's a logic to why you would go with that one over Taurosaurus. Right. Yeah. No, I, 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 I agree. All right. It'd so, be interesting to hear the arguments for the other side, though. Yeah, but, I, I um, didn't. You know, like I didn't read the articles, but I saw a couple of headlines that that seemed to me to indicate that you know that that's not their preference. But yeah, it, it would be. I, I think also that the, the Taurosaurus is far more rare. That there's a lot more Triceratops um, than than Taurosaurus. So that that's the other reason. You know, the stick with well, Triceratops. That sounds to me like the, the the general bigger Triceratops are probably middle aged. Um, version right. of them, while the Taurosaurs are probably the old men. It, yeah, that uh, what it would kind of seem so. Yeah. So and the other thing I put in here was uh, that this story kind of reminded me of uh, the the Pill Down Man, and and you guys know what that is, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. That so that's what was basically a hoax. That was um, basically they took a human skull and they put a uh, and somebody put an ape jawbone with it, and it was presented as you know evidence for evolution. And this gets used, um, of course, the only reason that we know that this isn't true is because science is self-correcting, and scientists discovered that it, that it wasn't true, not creationists. And uh, so, but it was another example of where, by, you know, you, you know, two different situations, of course. One was just, you know, collecting evidence, and this, and the other one was a hoax that was, you know, that, that somebody implemented. But it was Actually, just, it looks like they took an ancient skull and put... Not a not necessarily a not necessarily a normal human skull, but they took an ancient skull and they put a they put a modern jaw and teeth with it because right. they were what they did was they read the fluorine that was in it and the the uh, the fluorine in the brain case turned out to be high enough to suggest it was ancient, but the jaw bones and teeth were found to contain no more fluorine than modern jaw bones the modern bones and teeth. Right. So yeah. So anyway, so they they weren't able to, so so but this was I my my point is is that this was identified through science through scientists you know looking at evidence and correcting and this and it it bothers me because you know science this is what science is good at when it's done right is correcting these kinds of and and like I say you know creationists use this as as evidence against evolution which really is, is not a good position for them because they they don't do any research and they don't build any science to actually show um, how things work and how things progress and so right. they would ne they would have never found this error it's scientists that are going to find these and when science is done right you know the, the, these are the kinds of things that happen you know the pildon man is is you know is found to be a fake because of sudden because of these issues and we find that that that, that torosaur and triceratops are the same species when science yep. is done right so so it's just an, an excellent example of how things should be done and when science is done wrong kids are not allowed to touch real rocks <laughs> that's right so tell us about it <laughs> uh, well a... um the article starts off with an interesting um, situation that apparently is happening here in Colorado where kids in geology class are not being allowed to examine real rocks because the rocks might be dangerous. This is ridiculous. Yes, it's completely ridiculous. So they're, they're, the, the, the thinking is, oh, well, the, well you know, the rocks are dangerous, so they'll learn from pictures of them. It's like, yeah, would you like a surgeon to learn how to cut into a body by looking at pictures of it? Pictures are fine for one level of learning. But to actually say rocks are too dangerous to let kids have them to learn from, I, I you know, but it goes into the thinking, you know, that, and that's the other thing. So it goes into the fact that we are at this weird level of society where everyone's jumpy about lawsuits inside, and they overreact. You know, you, there's been so many product recalls over like the last decade or so. It's been crazy, and this is the same kind of logic. You know, a lot of these product recalls that you hear about. 
it's like one out of a thousand are having these problems, but you have to call all of them back. And one out of a hundred thousand. I remember the big cabbage patch kid because I was working in a toy department at the time. And it was the um, lunchtime, no, snack time cabbage patch kids that um, you put food in their mouth and it looks like they were eating it. Well, a couple kids got their hair cut, caught in the mechanism somehow, and all of them had to be recalled. And you, know, you hear about stuff like this, and it's it's crazy where we're headed society-wise. That you know the overreacting and stuff, but these companies don't want the lawsuits. The lawsuits don't look good. You know they hurt sales and they cost money. Yeah. And here we are getting to the point where kids aren't allowed to touch rocks because the rocks might be dangerous. Well, I mean, there's a point here where they're talking about the might the rocks might contain a speck of lead, which <laughs> is at least kind of a reason, not not. You know, not the most common reason why rocks might be dangerous. You know, and my, how much lead does a kid actually be, ingest before they get sick? <laughs> a lot. How much lead yeah, is still um, left in pipes? But you know, in water pipes. My, my first, my most dangerous thing on the rocks would be, you know, kids in class are going to be tossing them at each other. But yeah. it's the article's interesting. It goes on down here talking about the Graco Harmony High Chair and. Of the 1,200,000 units sold, they received 24 reports of injuries, including bumps, bruises to the head, and a hairline fracture to the arm. Um, For every 50,000 chairs sold, a single child suffered a bruise, bump, or once a hairline fracture. Yeah, no deaths. No it, serious it, injuries. Uh, you know, hairline fracture is the serious. If that's the most serious injury you're getting off them, that's not bad at all. And when you got, you always got to wonder: is like, was it the product or was it just being used improperly? My guess right, is and that's, the product was fine. It was being used improperly. Yep. And yeah, you you hear about that though. Um, once more, when I worked in toys, um, there was a weird thing with the power. You know, the big rideable cars. A couple of them were left plugged in too long and overheated. So, um, who owned the, it was either Mattel or Hasbro, I think it was Hasbro that uh, has that. Sounds like a failure of the battery. Anyways, so, uh, of course, you know, recalling these huge things was insane, so I actually had to help put a little pack in each one of those that was supposed to help, um, regulate the power so that people wouldn't leave it plugged in. If they'd left it plugged in too long, it would, I figured what it would do, but it, um, was supposed to fix it all. And the sales rep who was, um... Helping me with that, actually, I was helping her. Um, was joking about how she was de- she was positive that the whole reason that happened was because the competitors were trying to um, mess with them. It's like preparation. So H. They- it says on the bottle, "Do not take orally," because you know some numbnuts ate the whole bottle and was like, "I still have these hemorrhoids." Here's your sign. <laughs> well, it's like uh, Windex. Do not spray into eyes. You know there are some products that have been taken off the market for good reasons. Like uh, they used to make these these clacker things that that uh, would shatter on impact with each other occasionally and and turn into deadly shrapnel. That was a good thing to take off the Okay. Lawn darts. That was a good thing to take off the <laughs> Well, me, Water Sean, yes, me yeah. and you, we're, we're toy collectors. We know the Battlestar Galactica story, of course. Oh yes, we do know the Battlestar Galactica you know, story. Basically, the reason why all, most of the toys made in the '80s have the suckiest missile launchers ever. And, but basically, back in the early 80s, Battlestar Galactica was huge, and they made the, um, what are they called? I know the Vipers was... and the yes. Cylon Raiders had missile launchers. Powerful missile launchers. Powerful <laughs> missile launchers. You could get 15 feet out of those. 
and apparently some kid fired it down his throat and choked to death on it. <laughs> that is correct. That's the story. And there's also an urban legend about a Star Wars Boba Fett toy, but there was never actually any of those released. It was only a uh, prototype. Okay. Yeah, that's later this year. You have all these things. You have some of them that were taken off the market for stupid reasons. You have some of them that were taken off for good reasons, and then they still sell homeopathy. Yep. <laughs> no, but the uh, the point about lawn darts, that's actually a pretty good pretty good recall on that one. What you've got is you've got a metal tip dart that you throw into the air so it sticks in the ground or whatever it hits. It's the whatever it hits part that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> but once again, that is a perfectly safe when used in the proper environment and proper safety. I mean, it's like taking bow and arrows off, yeah, off the market. Yeah, have enough sense not have anyone. Yeah, don't stand around the goal, you idiots. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't know that I agree with that because, I mean, you shouldn't be allowed to have a bow and arrow because if somebody's standing at the other end of the target, they could get hurt. Oh, there's good range safety on that. I think the thing about lawn darts is just that it was not really it was not used in a safe environment um you know in this case a safe environment would be way away from houses in general but once again this isn't an issue with the product it's an issue with the user it is yeah but people are in general stupid and (laughs) i don't think that's true i I really don't buy that i think i think that there's a few people that misuse something and ruin it for the rest of i absolutely don't i don't think people are in general stupid i don't think so i think that we've become a society that kind of wants to be underinformed and unfortunately also in a lot of doesn't cases doesn't have to actually think you know it's too well, and easy. we want to we want to be able to sue over something as well yeah, yeah. that's yeah, well, the that's other a, reason why a, these things are getting recalled is because yeah we are such a litigious society oh uh, we, we've become that that i agree with but i you know to say people are stupid is really kind of a cop-out mm. and really not analyzing the actual problem you know, right. it's, 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 but there is a fair amount of stupid people out there that well, cause these problems. You know, stupid. Everybody it, does something stupid sometime. Well, it, it it goes on to my theory. Well, actually, I've heard other people bring up the same kind of theory that um, the, you don't focus on the good, you focus on the bad. Sure. If you have, you know, let's take a hundred days. Out of that hundred days, you have one bad day. Those you're going to sit. You know, that's what one percent of your days are bad. It, it, it outdoes the ninety-nine percent that are regular or good. How, you and know, a lot, a lot yeah. of people focus on that kind of stuff, and our society does in general. You, well, exactly. Yeah, and in, in one person, you know, suing and making making a fuss about something, you know, can it's it's a, it's a vocal minority. Yeah. You know, they, I mean, they, that, they, 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 how many people use lawn darts and never had a problem? I will bet it's uh, way outweighs the amount of people who had who had a problem. More than likely. You know, we need but, to focus on getting a product recalled that generally needs to be called, like those plastic dinosaur sets that have the the incorrect triceratops in it. Yes. If it, you know what? we got to get everything we've got to the market We've got to send Ian out there to, to drill each of those triceratops <laughs> in an anatomically appropriate place on the frill. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I'm not a, job. We'll send you out there with a Dremel. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, I have a few better things to do with my time than that. Yeah. <laughs> That's, well, I, I think that, uh, that about do we wanna, it. Are we good with what we got here, or do we want to add a little? I don't know. What will we add? Uh, I was telling you about that bird a couple days ago. I know. We're back on me and birds again. Oh, man. Here we go. Uh, my wife and I were out walking at a lake, and she saw what she thought was an eagle partially submerged in the water by coloration, but the head was all right. And... You know, she saw this bird climb out of the water, shake its wings dry, and fly off. And we did some searching at home, 
and found out that this was actually, we believe it was something called an anhinga, which is related to the pelican. But it's interesting in that this is a water bird that doesn't have oil glands in its feathers to keep its feathers from soaking. And I thought that was kind of a really, really, you know, it's like, why would something like this evolve? So then yesterday, my wife finds a video and we now understand why the anhinga has no oil gland in its feathers. The anhinga actually swims for long distances underwater and hunts. It will swim for several minutes at a time, and it'll spear fish underwater. And it wouldn't be able to do that if its, if its feathers were bolted. So its natural swimming position is actually with its body submerged and its head up like a periscope. Hmm. And then they duck under the water, go hunt fish, climb up, gobble down the fish, and go back and hunt more. Wait a second, though. Don't beavers have an oil gland like that as well, that they use to oil their, their fur? I believe they do, yes. So is it, is but that's it... not so much for... That's not so much for um, for buoyancy. You know, a beaver's fur is not nearly as buoyant as a, as a bird's okay. coat of feathers. Yeah. It doesn't hold the air like a bird's coat of feathers does. Okay. A bird's feathers are designed to hold the air. With the beavers, that's more of a warmth thing right. than it is yeah. a waterproof. What about the duckbill platypus? No feathers. Hmm. And I don't well, know if they have oil or not. I know they have spikes on their eggs. These cute-looking little platypi have oh. an extremely painful poison and poisonous spikes on their back legs. Don't mess with duck-billed platypi. That's right. Let's take a beaver, put a duck's bill on it, and it's a mammal, and it lays eggs. Yep. So all all you see right now is Phineas and Ferb. (laughs) There you go. So Uh, we've managed to use, what, a couple of, uh, a George Carlin routine and a Robin Williams routine. I didn't finish, yeah, I should just finish the George Carlin routine. Go for it. Hey, Darwin, yeah, here you go. No, that's Robin Williams. That's Robin Williams. The George Williams. Carlin routine was the, uh, I need about eight hours of sleep a day and no, about another no, ten no, no, at night. No, 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 That's Bill Hicks. That was Bill Hicks. That okay. is Bill Hicks. George Carlin was actually neglected in this segment. We neglected George Carlin. Hmm. We should have done well, Icebox you, you Man. Must... We were talking about, when we were talking about expiration dates, we should have done Icebox Man. <laughs> <laughs> we can just do the seven words. Sometimes you come across something you can't identify, so you bluff. <laughs> Honey, is this good? <laughs> I don't know. Smell it. Okay, it has no odor whatsoever. Then it's good. <laughs> Put it back. Somebody's saving it. <laughs> okay, three dead, three, well, two dead comics, one living. Yeah, he, yeah, Ron Williams is still alive. Let's not uh, Just let's doesn't start really that do rumor. comedy anymore. Not that much. <laughs> All right. Anything else, guys? I'm, no. I'm good on this. All right. Kind of Thank a short you for one, listening to the Amateur time Skeptics time. Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptic, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. Music for this podcast was provided by OMG. For more information about OMG, go to their website at MySpace.com forward slash OMGHQ. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is released under a Creative Commons share alike, no derivatives, 3.0 license. We'd love to have you share our work with other people. Please do not edit or change the file.